Ron and Anian. If I don't fix your car, whether it's here or at the shop, you're not coming back. There's no 3 out of 10 hitter in baseball in auto repair. you got to be 10 out of 10. The car doctor, the scan tool I was using, had cam reset in their menu. It didn't work. Reached out and got another one. That didn't work. Finally got, I took out an OTC Evolve. That worked. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. You're unbelievable. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor rolling along here for the next two hours at 855-560-9900. Call in, get your car problems answered. answered. Let's talk about it. Let's solve it. And uh, let's get you out on the road nice and safe, 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Keep in mind, if you're podcasting The Car Doctor and taking us wherever you're going, and we know a lot of you are in this day and age of electronics and technology, you can do so via TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes Radio. Click subscribe, take the podcast with you, and uh, we thank you for doing that. It, uh, it helps our cause and keeps us, uh, keeps us up here on radio talking to you about your car and its problems. I go to the deli on Saturday morning, and there's no mystery there, right? We've all talked about this. You've heard me talk about my, my excursions into the local deli for breakfast. And um, it, it's a slice of Americana. And it, one of the things I really enjoy about is listening and not talking and hearing the things that are going on around me and the conversations. And one fella in particular was down at the far end of the counter this morning talking about a problem he was having with his 2010 Cadillac SRX. He had a bad power window motor. And, you know, the old school, I was a mechanic 20 years ago. I used to fix on my own cars and work on my own cars, and it wasn't a problem. And the dealer told me it was going to be this much, and the repair shop told me it was going to be that much. I put my own power window motor in. And I'm listening with great interest, especially when he got to the part where, but it still didn't work. And I'm not quite sure what to do. So I sort of wandered down to the end of the counter and explained to him, I let him explain to me what he had done, and I clearly it was a bad motor, and I explained to him, do you have a scan tool capable of programming the motor? And he and his three buddies that were sitting there as they were all reveling about how bad mechanics were, that were, were we overcharged for what we do, all kind of looked at me like I had three heads. And it, it brought to mind a conversation that is really key to our next conversation we're about to have here on The Car Doctor because it really sort of tells the tale of, of, of what a scan tool can do today because it's far more than something for just doing trouble codes as we're all you know expecting it to be. Do you have any codes? Is the check engine light on and so forth? And it's really a very important conversation we're about to have with none other than Steve Zack. He is the technical instructor for Bosch, Bosch Automotive, Bosch OTC. And we've actually brought up and we've, we've contracted with none other than David Letterman and Barry White to introduce Steve. Take it away, Dave. And the number one romantic word when spoken by Barry White. Here we go. Scan tool. You're the first. Oh, yes. My everything. Hey, 
Mr. Zach. How are you today, sir? Very A very long time since we last spoke here on radio, and always a pleasure to have you. Hey, Ron, how are you? Good. What's, um, you know, Steve, that, that, that conversation in the deli is real, just like, unlike Barry White and David Letterman, they weren't here in studio. I just want to let you know that we're not that big a deal, but we do love you. Um, for that guy with the Cadillac SRX, what's um what's his problem? He can't he can't do this without a scan tool, can he? No problem. Problem today with any any of the newer control, cars with control area network. It'd be probably 2004 newer for Asian and domestic, and 2005 and up for uh, European. You know you you have to now take the component you're installing in a car that may be like a window motor or even an idle air control motor, or even a throttle body, and you have to program that component to the vehicle. They, may, they actually make window motors for a Cadillac that might fit just not just a Cadillac, but it might fit a Buick. So it, it, every car is a little bit different. So what happens now, I have to actually program the component to match up with the car's controller. So it knows the bin spec, it knows the wheelbase, Etc. A whole variety of stuff. Maybe in that auto, particular case. Maybe I'm auto sorry. up. Maybe auto up. Auto down. So it's Correct. it's 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 a it's a base motor that the the software gives it its character and uniqueness. Correct. It might be the distance of the windows frame and how far it has to travel. That's different from the Buick versus Cadillac. It might be how much torque it's required, etc. So now I got to program that controller, program that motor to to match up with that controller so it does the job properly. Now that's just. Yeah, I was going to say, so now scan tools are just so much more than a code reader. You know, two weeks ago, or last week's show, I was t- telling the tale of I was working on a Ford, and you know as well as the listeners about, you know, I've got more than a few scan tools in the shop, and it's the ability of, you know, what works and what doesn't. And I'm, I'm happy to report, Steve, that the Bosch Evolve, the Bosch OTC Evolve I'm currently working with, outperformed all the other scan tools in the shop in that I was doing a Ford. I had to do a cam reset, which is a memory reset function after fixing a fuel trim problem. And the Evolve was the only one that worked on this particular vehicle. Yeah, you know, not only, not only that, you know, when you think about it, with the cars today, they're, they're adding so many additional features for safety and, and emissions that are required to be, keep you from getting killed in a car wreck or, or, or avoiding car wrecks. So you need a scan tool that allows you to... Con- to actually calibrate all that componentry. And that's part of what's available on Evolve. It's the special test features allow you to calibrate things such as the camera and the radar system so that it's working properly. You were, you were, you know, speaking of which, you were at a, at a seminar, and I don't want to give away trade secrets, but you, were, you presented a seminar recently on that. Um, Bosch is taking, is Bosch taking the lead? Can we talk about that uh, as far as the cameras and the safety functions and how it's going to tie into the scan tool in the future going forward? What can you tell? Yeah, t- of course we can. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, one of the one of the interesting parts is that although uh, SafeLight, our, the window glass company, does, you know, we work with them very closely, building targets and teaching them how to calibrate. But, you know, as cars grow more powerful, they have you know autonomous vehicles that will steer around objects, um, apply the braking controls so that you don't hit something, so you don't hit a pedestrian. And what's happening now? Every one of those cameras and radar systems have to be calibrated. The cars have a windshield replacement or it's been in a slight minor five-mile-per-hour bumper, and our scan tools have all that information, and we're continually adding that information on a quarterly basis. We update that tool constantly to have the, the latest latest revisions of vehicle um, test procedures. Now, you are the OE manufacturer-supplier of, of many scan tools and parts. I mean, you're Bosch. My gosh, you're the 800-pound gorilla in the room. 
not only that, uh, not only do we manufacture scan tools for General Motors and Ford and, and Toyota, um, we also manufacture uh, radar systems and camera systems and controllers and, and sensors and, and relays for almost all manufacturers, injectors, et cetera. So, so we're not just making scan tools, we're making parts. So why then, or I, I'm not sure if I'm asking the right guy, but so when I ran into the problem with the other manufacturers of scan tools, and, you know, they're, some of them are, you know, they're, they're based here, but they're, they're, the software is rewritten in China. They're the Chinese scan tools, as we all know them, to exist in the industry. They don't necessarily always work. Why is it that they don't, but you do? What are you guys doing different? We license our software from the manufacturer. By licensing that, they give us the, the rights and the ability to go down into the system, and, and we have the, the codes that allow us to get in there to actually perform those tests. Um, you know, what happens with a lot of the what's called reverse engineering, where, where these manufacturers from other countries, they, they buy a scan tool that's made for Ford, and they'll reverse engineer that, but that doesn't give them the code. They can't get the code to actually get into the, the uh, program and window motor or, or, you know, camera calibration. Um, so that you know, that's the difference. We're buying or licensing our software directly from the manufacturer, even though we manufacture for them. So suffice it to say, let's say let's say I'm a collision shop and I'm doing an airbag reset after doing a major repair, and I'm I'm using an Evolve. I I, I can have confidence at that point that if I can connect to the vehicle and the test is there, that test is verified. It will work. Correct. It's it's Correct. it's it's not going to be an issue because I have also heard cases of some of the Chinese scan tools and some of the uh, other manufacturer scan tools. They're connecting into cars, and if it's reverse engineered, I've heard cases where airbags have deployed when they're doing module resets and they've created other problems in the system. Um, I, I have not heard that, but I, the the thing that you have everybody forgets about with an airbag is you know when when you're replacing an airbag because the car's been in a collision, you know you have to be able to uh, program that uh, that controller to that vehicle. Now, obviously, the airbag has to come from the dealer with the actual program for that particular vehicle because, you know, you're not allowed to reprogram in the aftermarket. Only the dealer can. Right. And even then, they can't either, um, you know, because of safety purposes on airbags. A little bit you, different situation. Well, right. but And I guess I guess the point we're both making is it's when you're dealing with safety, whether it's cameras, airbags, collision issues, you kind of want to know the software is 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 legit and written for the vehicle uh, under license. I like that word, under license. Um, yeah, that's that's the right word. Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, because not a lot of guys are licensing. There's a lot of clone stuff out there. One of the things I like about the Evolve, and I just want to talk about it real quick in our last two minutes. You know, you're doing something. You guys have taken a very bold step and and done something that no other scan tool manufacturer has done. You've put wiring diagrams right in the tool. I don't see that anywhere else. Yeah, interesting part to that. That's Valley Forge. We write the wiring diagrams for most OEMs, and then we license all that wiring diagram back to the OEM or back to missiles or back to all data. So basically what you're looking at when you are there is you're looking at actual wiring diagrams that we manufacture that we then license out to others, and they're OEM-based. And what's really nice, if you keep that tool updated annually, that software is always there. Um, we're not, we don't we don't distinguish that software and take it out after a year. It's basically just keep it licensed and away you go. Wow, Steve, real quick before I let you go, I got two questions. Where's the Evolve built? built? I know we're on a I know we're on a buy American kick in this country now. I'm just curious. Where's Where's Evolve built? Does it Does it come from overseas like all the rest of them? No, nope, it's built in Owatonna, Minnesota, USA. 
Perfect. Uh, wow. It's not too far from Minneapolis. Yeah, I've been to Owatonna. Nice, uh, nice, nice place. If you get there, it's um, that's the home of the Great Plains Indians. That's a whole other story. How I know that story. So yeah, uh, Jesse, Jesse James and the Younger Gang and all that area. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hey, listen, we'll let you go real quick, Steve. The clock's going to take us. Where can the listeners go get more information? A couple of different locations: OTCTools.com. That's O-T-C-T-O-O-L-S.com. and they can also go to YouTube. And then in the YouTube search box, type in the word, three words, OTC Tool Guy. That's O-T-C-T-O-O-L Guy, G-U-Y. Okay. And um, that'll take them, get them some information if they, want to, if they want to take a look at an Evolver or any of the OTC scanners, scan tools Correct. that are out there. Cool beans. Steve, we got to get together for dinner. Don't, uh, don't be a stranger. Find your way to Waldwick. All right? You, you, Talk to you soon. You take good care and have a good rest of the afternoon. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the the car doctor, 855-560-9900. Once again, I want to thank Steve Zach and uh, the folks over at Bosch for all they're doing for taking the time today to join us in that conversation. Let's get over and welcome as we kick the garage doors open. Micah from Maine, 2015 Subaru, and some questions about a road trip. Road trip! Micah, welcome back to the car doctor. Sir, we've spoken over the years. How can I help you today? Well, I've got my uh, 2015 Subaru that has about 14,500 miles on it. And in about another two weeks, it's coming up on an oil change, and I'm going to wait until after my trip to Pittsburgh. I just checked the oil. I'm down about uh, maybe a little less than a pint over six months. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. And uh, other, than ch- other than checking the oil and checking the uh, tire pressure and throwing a can of Berryman's in the, into the tank, uh, what do you think I should do to check it out uh, for a long road trip? Underhood fluids and just, you know, I would definitely want to get it up in the air just to have somebody look just to see. I know it's a new car, and, you know, the highway's littered on the sides with a lot of new cars that are just, they have these problems intermittently, and I'm just a looker. I just I just want to look and just do a visual and anything going on, and uh, I would probably tell you to verify the spare. If this one has a spare, this should have a spare, uh, a 15 Legacy. It does. Yeah, you know, is there air in the spare? Do you know where the jack is or all the jack parts there? You know, and then uh, what sort of emergency equipment do you have for the side of the road? You know, heaven forbid you need a you know roadside flare or flashers or flashlights and those kind of things. I mean, that's just all common sense stuff. But other than that, get in the car and go, Micah. They're you know they're they're better today. They really are. Sounds good. I got time for a quick story about it. It's about a new part. Yeah, go ahead. I, I love to hear new part stories. Go ahead. Well, something went wrong. Something went wrong with the radio, and so they said, "Oh, we got to put in a new one." And I said, "That's fine." So they put in. Uh, they, I brought it down to the dealership, and they put in the brand new radio. It only took them about an hour. It wasn't so bad. And I get back out and uh, start hooking up the phone and all the other things to the radio because it's a whole entertainment system, and go to turn it on. And guess what? There's no sound. And what annoys me, what was really interesting, not just the fact a new part never ever worked, right? Right. It might yep. not have the sound. But the technician that installed it never turned it on the check before he returned the car to me. Well, that's the part. Doesn't that sound interesting? Yeah, that's the part I don't get. And, you know, I see and hear this so much. You know, that's probably the number one problem. And and puzzlement, I guess, is maybe a better word for my industry in that somebody will call up or stop by the shop. And I'm, I'm always looking at somebody else's mistake or misfortune or problem and you know, they didn't. Don't you think they should have road tested? Yeah, I think they should have road tested it. In the case of a radio, all they had to do was turn it on. Uh, you know, it's not rocket science, but for some reason, there is a generation of mechanics out there, and I don't say all of them, but there is a group that think plug it in and go works. And I, 
you know, I can't tell you how many times, gee whiz, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put a radiator in a car, burp the cooling system, and if we're not in a rush to get rid of the vehicle, we'll let it sit outside running for a half hour, let the fan cycle a couple times, come back to it, look at temperature, you know, take the turn the engine off, let it cool down, uh, park it nose up, maybe burp a little more air out of it. You know, it's it's just it's a time process. It's 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 not a drag race. It's 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 auto repair is a process and it's it, it takes some time. But in this case, you know, it would have taken them what all of thirty seconds. I would think they'd have to turn the radio on, make sure it, you know had sound, and then I was going to say at least program your presets for you. Uh, you know, if this was a manufacturer doing it right, this was done at the dealer. It was done at the dealership, brand new Subaru radio, and, uh, you know, just plugged it right in. What's interesting, I don't think the radio is actually part of the screen. I think it's two different pieces. Yeah, but still. Because they didn't replace anything in the screen. It was underneath. But, no, nope, they never even turned it on. But, you know, it, the, the presets were in the radio, right? Oh, sure, yeah. yeah so so why, didn't they, why didn't they restore the presets? That just sounds like, a, you know, it's. Yeah. Well, and, you know, an, an off-the-record conversation, Micah? You know, this is, I think this is what's wrong in some repair shops and dealerships and independents, and a lot of them are like this, where everything is done on a flat rate process, meaning the, the faster you work and the more you get done, the more you get paid. And I think that process just really contributes to and promotes inefficiency and ineptness because the, the ability to care kind of goes out the window in certain situations, not all, certain situations. And, you know, here's a prime example that somebody didn't, you know, turn on a radio and you wonder how many others are like that and just just, just change the radio um, and, and, and turn it on and see if it runs. Hey, Michael, listen, the clock's going to take us, but um, you have a safe trip out to Pittsburgh. Enjoy the self-driving Ubers that are out there. When you're sitting at a traffic light, I understand they've got more than a few of them out there. Um, but, uh, you know, call us when you get back. Let us know how the Subaru did. And if you ever get down to New Jersey, stop in and say, hey, 855-560-9900. Ron Nady, the car doctor. We are cruising back right after this. Don't go away. Five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. By the way, that is twenty four seven. That phone number you can call eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Anytime, day or night. If we're not on the air, this show is live Saturday afternoons two to four p.m. You can call that number, leave a message, and our producer Tom Ray will call you back and get you in the queue for the following week's show. Um, real quick before we go back to the phones, I have to tell you the Uber conversation from last week about flying cars has really, really generated a lot of email. Uh, to the point that they may have self-driving flying cars by 2020 in Fort Worth, Dallas, Texas. I haven't found anybody willing to take the ride. Um, you know, one guy wrote me. He's he's a he's he's got medical problems. I'll say it like this, and he may or may not be around for another five years. He doesn't even want to take a ride in self-flying self-driving car because he doesn't want to take the chance. He's trying to. He says that's got to be insane. We'll see. We'll see where self-driving, self-flying cars go. It's got to be. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting in the next three or four years. So back to the phones. John Vermont, 06 Suzuki, and uh, some power window problems. John, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, how you doing today? Good. What's going on? Uh, about around uh, maybe December or something, 
there was some smoke coming from the smoke the panel of the uh, the window power window. Okay. And I got that caught a, a short circuit, and my windows don't go up or down on the uh, driver's side. Okay. So your uh, your your question. Has that ever how that happened? Well, so you saw smoke coming out from where, John? From the switch itself, or from the inside the door panel, the motor area? Uh, I guess inside the door panel. Okay, so it, it it sounds like something obviously electrical failed. The question is what? So you're going to have to have somebody remove the door panel or remove the door panel, and you know do a little detective work. Is there something burnt obvious in the way of a motor failure? And a power window motor is a pretty basic animal. In 06, it's just going to look. It's just looking for power and ground and reverse, reverse the current to make it go up or down. Yeah. But but the the bigger issue I've got to tell you is before you go and take it apart, I yeah. would I would try and find parts for it first. I don't know. Do you have a Suzuki dealer nearby? Because Suzuki is one of the tougher ones to get parts for, depending upon what part of the country you're in. Well, I know there's a, a dealership in Keene. Okay. Um, so. You know, oh, just know. yeah, just just verify a parts source because I hate to see you take something apart and then find out parts are two months away. Uh, you know, here in New Jersey, we don't have a Suzuki dealer, none that uh, you know, none that I'm aware of in North Jersey, and um, it just happens to be one of those car lines that it's just sort of limited, you know, limited in terms of parts availability and stuff. But um, you know, I, I'm thinking that maybe. It- I got a short circuit or something. Uh, I used to deliver newspapers, and it would be rainy, snowy. Maybe some of that moisture got down in there, and probably something happened to it. I'm thinking. Well, yeah, absolutely. But again, until you until you take it apart, how do you know a wire? How do you know the wiring harness isn't secured in the loom and it didn't rub through and create a short circuit? And I don't know. <laughs> right, and that's and, and that's my point. So we could guess all afternoon. But until you physically take that door panel off and start looking, and it's yeah. it's it's going to be simple enough. You'll have you'll have you'll it'll be a, it should be a two wire power window motor. Uh, are you handy with a voltmeter? Um, not really. Uh, well, you got you got to find somebody that that can do electrical, and you want to tie in and take a look at the two wire connector at the power window motor. Unplug it, put a voltmeter across it. You should have power one way, power the other way. Then at least you know the switch and the circuit. Leading up to the motor is good, and then you could set up. They could set up a um, a power and a ground signal, and see if they get the motor to work. If not, I'm willing to bet that if the wiring harness itself isn't melted or damaged, then you are going to find that probably sniffing the motor, it's probably going to have some electrical stank to it, and it um, it's probably damaged unto itself. So, but until you take it, that, it, it doesn't open up my my passenger window from. On the driver's side, either. Well, then, you know, maybe the problem is in the switch or the wiring harness. Again, until you take that door panel off, there's there's nothing you're going to know or do. You've got I to... I've got some uh, other thing, uh, other thing involved in different than this problem. Go ahead. I What's that? A whirl, uh, it's like a whirling sound, a grinding sound, uh, when you put it in drive or, or reverse. And it seems like it does it when it's cold. I'm thinking maybe transmission or something. Or... Well, yeah. If it's only when it's going in gear, then I would agree with that. I would say it's 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 in the trans. If it's sitting there, if it's sitting there, you're sitting at a traffic light or at a stop sign, and you put it in gear and it starts to whir or grind or crunch. Um, you know, the real question then has got to be: it's 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 11 years old. It's a Suzuki. Um, you know, they're 
not the greatest long-term vehicles, in my opinion, from what I've seen. We don't work on a lot of them because of their lack of popularity. And I would just, I would just probably take it to a mechanic and have them do an overall evaluation before I ran out to, you know, spend any big money on this, get some opinions, and maybe replace the car before you start putting good after bad. So just be careful. Good luck to you, John, and thanks for the call. Hey, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Tesla and some of the conversations about Tesla. You know, it's again, like the Uber conversation, the Tesla conversation has really generated some interesting comments. Um, this comes to us from Michael Todd. He's down there in Texas way. Ron, I don't know how it is in New York or New Jersey, but Teslas are seen quite often on the freeways here. A lot of oil and gas exploration 13 14 15 annual bonuses went into buying teslas let me just say why performance i've heard that some performance-minded drivers are using are removing the governors on the four electric motors and they're almost uncontrollably fast uh zero to 60 in two seconds or less maintenance free there's very little to break you know that is true we went out to dinner i went out to dinner thursday night with my peeps with my three or four garage owners and, you know, kind of having the conversation about where the industry is going. And we talked about the electric cars. When electric cars become mainstream, and maybe it's maybe it's 20 years, maybe it's five years, maybe it's two years, where does that happen? The effect on the economy is going to be huge because there will be so much less to break. We have no idea what it takes to not just manufacture an internal combustion engine vehicle, but to warehouse all the parts and maintain connecting rods, wrist pins, pistons, you know, ring sets going back how many years? Electric motor. We need one. All right. We need a set of brushes. We need an armature. You know, we probably got three different levels of performance. After that, how much is it going to change in the next 50 years unless it's something more uh, efficient? And then I'd be willing to bet that as electric motors, and that's an interesting thought, as electric motors upgrade and get better over time, I bet they're all going to be interchangeable and they're all just going to simply bolt in and fit unless it's a smaller size issue. So, but um, yeah, it's. I wonder how that's going to uh, affect it. Status symbol, Michael writes, he says, yeah, undeniable. Tesla's a Tesla. Uh, analysis, Tesla seems to be a long-term investment. I get that. Listen, I understand why Tesla is so popular. I just don't know if they're affordable at this point. And Michael then goes on to point out in his in his email that, um, you know, as more of them are produced, they will become more affordable. I have a friend, Mark, in, in the L.A. area. I think he is. He's um, down in Southern California. And we, we talked recently. He has a friend with a Tesla. And they went into the city the other week. He's telling me the story. And he said it was a really different experience, a self-driving Tesla, because in California they've got their, their freeway issues and, and whatnot. And he said, we're in our Tesla lane, self-driving with all the other electric tesla cars and they just kind of move along at their own pace and then when they they're self-driving he said we're sitting there we're doing emails we're talking we're looking at the scenery you know and then they kind of come along and uh when they come out of traffic they car beeps and says hey i'm coming out of the, the tesla lane and you know we go into you know uh person driving mode people driving mode so to speak so it it's it's, it's interesting to watch and see the involvement i just uh, you know it's great. I still think the Tesla thing has got a lot to do with the future. I just don't know how widespread it's going to be here in the States because of the economy. Yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, it's, it's interesting because I drive around. I drive all over New York State. I drive down to the Maryland. I drive all through Massachusetts. 
and to see the Tesla charging stations popping up like weeds all over the place and yeah. in places you wouldn't think people would have a Tesla. Right. And 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 that's and that's the other part of it. You know, part of the conversation Thursday night was where does hydrogen fit into all this? And I almost think we've passed hydrogen. Uh, you know, I'm sure that somewhere the government will sit down and say, well, the cost to charge hydrogen is going to be affected by this, or, you know, it'll be a case of what's cheaper to build, a hydrogen charging infrastructure or an electric charging infrastructure, and what's cheaper and more economical to support, which one. But, you know, the problem becomes you take your Tesla, I don't know, what do they go, 250 miles, 300 miles, something like that? What if you, what, what is it, in some cases, 400 miles, Tom's saying? So if you go 400 miles in the wrong direction, <laughs> you know, uh, what do you do? Take a bunch of 9-volt batteries with you and hope you can get back? I can see it now. You know, it'll be, uh, hello, AAA. Can you stop by the EverReady store and bring me a case of batteries? Whew. It's going to be interesting. 855-560-9900. Ron and Aning, the car doctor, cruising back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Aning, the car doctor at 855-560-9900. Boy, the emails are coming in strong today. Uh, this one from Don says, by the way, Ron heard comments last week. Star Trek, right, we were talking about Star Trek last week, how if that's the future, there's no money in Star Trek. He said, Star Trek says no money, but frequently people say things like, let me buy you a drink. I have to think about that. Have I ever heard, have I ever heard, Tony, have you ever heard Captain Kirk say to Bones, let me buy you a drink? I don't remember that. No, I have not. But that might be, that might be right. I have to. I'll have to start watching some more Star Trek movies to see if that uh, comes to light. But he did bring Scotty a bottle of uh, Romulan ale, which is illegal in the uh, galaxy, for his birthday once. Right. I remember that. That was the episode where they went looking for Spock. Um, right. I remember that. But anyway, and then Don also points out that Airbus has a flying car. So on the virtue of that email, I had Detective Tom find me the story. Airbus has been talking about its Vahana I hope I'm saying that right, flying autonomous vehicle project for a while now, but at this year's Geneva Motor Show, it's showing off a concept design created in partnership with Ital Design. The demonstration vehicle offers modular functionality, meaning it can operate both on the ground and in the air. And Airbus, excuse me, Airbus thinks it's one potential answer to the growing problem of urban traffic congestion. So is it really going to look like, is it, is it going to be the Jetsons? Is it just going to be flying cars? And the, the part that nobody is really addressing, I haven't heard anybody talk about this. We don't have people that can fix cars, and they're on the ground. So what's going to happen with regard to, what's going to, happen with regard to flying cars, and how are we going to make all that work? Um, but that's something else to look at this. Look at the pictures of this. They've got an Airbus that looks like a drone uh, with the four propellers on it flying above... So go Google Airbus flying car and see what you come up with, folks. And let's see. We get down. There was one more email here Tom wanted me to talk about. Well, that's the one from the folks at All Data, which we know about. I want to talk about that in a real quick second. Oh, I was listening to your show. This is last week. We were also this is from Jeff. We were talking about air conditioning systems, and somebody had called in, and this was a problem, right? We talk about some of the issues with regard to working on the car, and this this one individual was doing his own air conditioning work. The fellow with the S10 Blazer from New York. And he had to recover the system, but because he used an off-breed or off-brand refrigerant, who was going to, how do you recover that? How do you take the system apart to repair it? And I said, I you know, there used to be recovery bags available for appliances. Well, Jeff, 
was just listening to your show talking about air conditioning systems. I do appliance repair for a living, and you do not see those aftermarket recovery items in stores anymore because they've been outlawed. <laughs> so, so then what does the average individual do with regard to if they charge a system with illegal refrigerant or what I consider the legal refrigerant? Let me, let me tell the story this way. I purchased a $6,500 AC recovery machine, folks. All right. If I want to charge your air conditioner, charge, recover, vacuum, service the AC, I have to hook up this $6,500 tool. If you go out and it's designed to work on 134 refrigerant, R134A, if you go out to a parts house or online or from somewhere who knows where overseas and put in an off brand or a blend refrigerant, or worse, something with a sealer in the system, a good repair shop, uh, one that's thinking, will ID the refrigerant. I do. I I ID the refrigerant system of every vehicle I'm going to work on if it's not a regular customer. I don't know the history. If that's got anything other than 134, I'm not hooking my $6,500 AC machine up to it because I'm not ruining it because I'm going to contaminate your refrigerant with my refrigerant, and then my refrigerant doesn't work as well, if at all, which is the whole reason why I'm taking you apart in the first place. So um, it seems to me, if, if Jeff is saying here that the bags to recover refrigerant for appliances have been outlawed and you can't use it in an aftermarket, they ought to outlaw those refrigerants too. So anyway, 855-560-9900, Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Take care. Welcome back. We're on the, the Car Doctor. You know, we, we were talking during the break. Tom Ray, leave it to Tom. Tom Tom has the question about flying cars I don't have the answer to. Mr. Ray? I was curious, how are they powered? Is it, is it an internal combustion engine or is it, um, you know, is it electricity? Because I could see the guy driving the car not paying attention to the fuel gauge and they're, you know, it's kind of hard to pull one of those over. Well, it, it's, <laughs> it's, easy, it's easy to pull it over, but keeping it next to the clouds a little difficult. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah, and you brought up a good point. I think they're internal combustion engine, which brings up the second question. All right, so if it's an internal combustion engine, all right, because I don't think the electric technology is there yet to support the weight of passengers and cargo for the size that they would need to do this. Well, can, you, can you pull into your local gas station? Does it need aviation fuel? Right. Does it need diesel? Does it need... And if it needs aviation fuel, I mean, we're here on two acres at corporate headquarters, right? So uh, I could yep. I could probably park that flying car in the backyard and get out and but where am I going to get gas for it? We need Mr. Fusion. Right. We need Mr. <laughs> Fusion. So um self-flying self-driving cars, yeah, they're going to be here, but how they're going to be presented to us is a whole nother set of problems and a whole nother can of worms. I'm Ron and Andy, the car doctor reminding you till the next time. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.